G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at St John's Dolby. If you'd like to learn more about our church, then please visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon focuses on Luke chapter 1, 39 to 55 and the Magnificat, Mary's Song. It's the third sermon in our Redemption Song series as we look at the Redemption Songs of the Bible. Luke 1, 39-55 says, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I said before, we're into week three of our Redemption Song series. And so far, we've looked at the song of Zechariah, getting all excited about the birth of his son, John. And then the life of John last week with Reverend Ken showing us what an incredible witness to God's justice John was to his mercy through Jesus and his promise of redemption at the end of time. This week we've come to our third redemption song and we looked at the carol, Mary, Did You Know? Mary's song is often called the Magnificat. It got this name because the first word in the Latin version of her song is literally Magnificat. Mary's song is intricate and beautiful coming just after an angel visits Mary and tells her she will have a baby. As evidence to the truth of this news, he points out that her relative Elizabeth is going to have a baby too. Our passage tells us today what Mary does next. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. It's here we learn a lot about Mary. The Bible has a lot to say about who Mary really was. Unfortunately, the true character of Mary, Jesus' mother, is often shrouded in a lot of deeply held beliefs that have nothing to do with the Bible. Shock jock radio host Carl Sanderlands learned this lesson the hard way earlier this year when he made some remarks about Mary. He said, I thought Mary was just his, that's Jesus Christ's, girlfriend. But apparently, it was the mother. And the mother lied, obviously, and told everyone, Nah, I got pregnant by a magical ghost. Nonsense. Someone chock-a-blocked her behind the camel shed. You might believe everything that was written down 2,000 years ago to be absolutely accurate and good on you. You're dumb. 
Now you might think in this non-religious age that no one would have cared what Sanderland said, but they did. Days later, a mob, not an angry mob, but a mob all the same, of Christians and Muslims who both revere Mary, gathered outside Kiss FM to protest Carl's comments. The shock jock was forced to apologise, but his apology went along the lines of, I'm sorry you were so offended by what I said. In truth, it wasn't much of an apology, and showed that through this process, Carl hadn't learned much about either Mary or the people he'd upset. So what I thought I'd do today is put together a crash course in Mariology. I'm calling it Five Things the Bible Can Teach Carl Sanderlands and Us About the Real Mary. My first point is that Mary was country. Mary was a country girl through and through. While she's often depicted as a fair-skinned, delicate Madonna figure passively nursing a blonde-haired infant, she probably had rough hands, brown skin, and had she been born in Australia today, she'd probably bear cowboy boots and jeans rather than a delicate frock. As we see in verse 39, Mary is a strong, pragmatic woman, and while she would have grown up in Nazareth, she is quite happy to head out and walk or ride south to visit her relative Elizabeth. Mary is not weak or passive, she's an active servant of the Lord, rather than a delicate flower. This is important for us to see today. I grew up in the city, and city people often write country people off. They see them as backward or ignorant. I've heard preachers talk about how God loves and can use city people more because city people are upstream from the culture and are on the cutting edge of politics, economics and fashion. God raises up a woman like Mary to show us that he doesn't think this way. God is ready to use a young country girl to bear his son. God can use anyone, but he chooses Mary to shame the assumptions and power structures that write certain people off or call them worthless. Friends, God can use Mary and he can use you. If the world writes you off and tells you that you are too old or too young or not educated enough or not connected enough or not from a good family, then God says no. God places the life and well-being of his son at his most vulnerable in the care of a humble country girl. God places his mission of saving the world in the hands of an ordinary person like Mary. And he does the same with ordinary people like us. God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. We need to be humble and open to what God wants to do with our lives. Very quickly in our story, we see that Mary has a special mission, but she doesn't consider herself better than anyone else. She considers herself blessed. Look with me at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Poor Elizabeth. You can imagine the joy of having a baby, only to be outdone by your younger cousin. The older matriarch Elizabeth finally conceives, and everyone surrounds her with praise. For once, she's the centre of attention. Enter young, sprightly Mary to steal the spotlight. She's travelled hundreds of kilometres to gloat that she's pregnant without even trying. Cue a shouting match as the two women square off about whose pregnancy is more miraculous. But this is not how the script goes. As soon as Mary enters Elizabeth's house, unborn Johnny the Baptizer leaps in Elizabeth's tummy. Rather than be upset that Mary is pregnant, Elizabeth is overjoyed that Mary should come and visit her 
And she exclaims in a loud voice in verse 42, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb lapped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Elizabeth says in very clear terms that Mary is carrying the the mother of her God. She claims that Mary is the God-bearer, the one through whom all God's promises will come to fruition. Elizabeth, her husband, Zechariah and all God's faithful people were waiting for the Saviour, the Redeemer that the prophets had told them God was sending. Now here he is, in her doorway, in the belly of her rally. Mary doesn't gloat or tell Elizabeth to bow down to her. Instead, she sings a song of praise. And Mary said in verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Friends, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters often call Mary blessed and their right to do so. Mary is blessed and we should call her Blessed Mary because God blessed her immensely. That's what happens when we recognize all blessings come from God. They don't puff up our egos or make us proud. Instead, they fill us with hope and joy. Mary was blessed by God, but she shares her joy with Elizabeth and with us. Later in her story, she shares her son with masses who flock to him. She watches as Jesus offers up his life for our sins. But through all of that, she holds on to the blessings she has been given by God to bring her through. Friends, God has blessed us mightily in Australia. We have food, medical care, peace and prosperity that our ancestors could only dream about. Sadly, we often forget God's blessings and worry about what we don't have rather than what we do. Blessed Mary is an example for us of how grateful we should be to God for all the things he has blessed us with, but most of all for sending his son Jesus into the world to die to save us. So if Mary was blessed, is it also fair to say that she's the blessed Virgin Mary? Well, the Bible tells us, yes, Mary was a virgin when she had Jesus, but no, she didn't remain so. Earlier in Luke 1.30, we read that the angel Gabriel visits Mary and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. When I first learned about sex in high school, I went home and wondered if my parents knew what sex was. Should I tell them? This, of course, was a stupid thought because I was the walking answer to my question. But that's often how people treat this passage. We become snobs of history and assume that ancient people were so basic that they didn't know where babies came from. This couldn't be further from the truth. And even sheltered teenage Mary knows where babies come from. So she asks in verse 31, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, if you're skeptical of the virgin birth, if you think this claim is far-fetched, then you're in good company. Here in Luke, we see that Mary is a skeptic at first too. 
It's not as if the Bible teaches that virgins have babies every day. But that's exactly the point. Often people think the human writers of the Bible made up the story of Mary's virginity because they were prudish and thought sex was dirty or sinful. But that misses the point entirely. Here we see a new creation story. In the beginning, God made something out of nothing. And here God is creating something new. In verse 35, the angel says to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This creative language is like a hyperlink, directing us back to Genesis 1, where the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. The word for born here comes from the word Genesis. Here God is again creating life where there is no life in Luke. God is going to do something new here. Jesus is not being created, but he is identifying with us by being born of a woman, like we all are. This is what the virgin conception is all about, God creating something new. While Carl Sanderlands reckons Mary lied and said she got pregnant by a magical ghost to cover up her teen pregnancy, this misses the point. Our culture is so obsessed by sex that we fail to see the glorious thing God is doing. God's redemption is coming out of a new act of creation, and he's including Mary. This is why Mary's song echoes the song or poem we find in Genesis, where she sings in Luke 1 verse 49, For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. What's happening here is not a conspiracy or a prudish addition. Instead, God is bringing about new creation. God's glory overshadows Mary. His glory comes down. If you believe there was once nothing and now there is something, if you believe this world was created, then it's not a big step to believe that the creator of the universe would create life in the womb of a young country woman like Mary. It's important to note that Mary didn't remain a virgin. She and Joseph did get properly married and Jesus had half-brothers and sisters, at least four brothers and a number of sisters. In Matthew 12, we read, While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Jesus identifies with us all as his brothers and sisters, but there's every indication that Jesus had siblings. The Bible doesn't claim these children were conceived by the Holy Spirit as well. In the Middle Ages, people started to teach that Mary remained a virgin all her life and that she was sinless and that her mum was sinless too in order to try and protect the divinity of Jesus and the integrity of Mary. But this doesn't need to be so. God created something new in the life of a humble country woman from Nazareth. But we don't need to go beyond what the Bible tells us. The fourth thing we learn about Mary from the Bible is that she had enormous courage in measure with her faith. You may have seen the fantastic pictures of a farmer this week down in the Lockyer Valley dancing around in the rain. He was rejoicing as the Lockyer Valley received 
a huge deluge of rain. That's rejoicing in the rain. But Mary shows courage by singing before the rain. Before her deliverance comes, before her Saviour is born, she rejoices in God's saving acts in the past, in what he's doing through her in the present, and looks forward to what he will do in fulfilling his promises. Look with me at verse 52. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary's joy extends from her trust in the Lord. Mary will face the stigma of being pregnant out of wedlock, the possibility of losing her fiancé Joseph, the pains of pregnancy and of giving birth and also the incredible responsibility of nurturing, disciplining, discipling, and loving the Son of God. She does so with quiet faith and immense courage. God gives Mary this mission because she trusts him. She is ready to dance with God, <clears throat> even before the rain, with the joy of a Lockyer Valley farm.